0: Welcome to the Nanalyze Podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanolize.com for more details. Hot Brazilian stocks are the topic of today's presentation. So if you're somebody that's invested in Stone Coast stock or New Bank stock, then you'll want to watch this presentation because we touch on these firms. But if you're not, then you'll want to watch this anyway, because I guarantee you, you'll learn something interesting about investing in Brazil. So, from BRIC to BIC, the term BRIC was originally coined by Goldman Sachs, and that was to describe fast-growing economies that this economist predicted would collectively dominate the global economy by 2050, so in less than 30 years. The BRICS nation, so BRIC stands for Brazil, Russia, India, and China, And the S on the end stands for South Africa, so you can include that or not. But the BRICS nations encompass about 27% of the world's land service and 42% of the global population. And you can see here how BRIC is now BIC because Russia has been removed. So this is the breakdown. If you look at a BRIC ETF, this is the breakdown between the different countries. You'll see China at around 60%, then you have India uh, 30%, Brazil 10%. Now, when we look at global equities, it's important to paint a picture of what Brazil looks like. A lot of people will intuitively imagine the size of the country in South America and say, well, Brazil is a huge economy. Well, let's put this in the context of the world's stocks. So this is a visual by MSCI, and it shows how if you took what's described as MSCI acqui So 99% of the global investable market. If you took that and broke it down by countries, you see here United States accounts for about 59% of global equities. Emerging markets, so you could see some of the names listed out here. They account for around 11% of global equity, so a very small component. And when you start to look at the companies within the emerging markets and what they represent, China at 3.3%, Taiwan at 1.8%, you may say, well, is Taiwan an emerging market? That was a question we got or a challenge we received a lot at MSCI, both Taiwan and Korea, which are classified as emerging markets. Uh, There's a debate to be had around that, but uh, we'll leave that for another day. But when you get down here, remember we're starting with the 11% of emerging markets. We're breaking that down, so China's the dominant member. But when we get down to other category, you'll see here that 55 basis points, so 0.55% is Brazil. That's what they constitute of global equities, right alongside the Saudis at 0.43% and South Africa at 0.39%. So this is a very small Uh, investment opportunity when you put it in the context of global equities. And then you can turn to firms like Aliens, which looks at the risks associated with trading for the world's countries, and here's what they have to say about Brazil. So it has a sensitive risk, and if you look at the bar charts there, uh, the larger the bar, the more the risk. So you could see that they're right in the middle there across the board, And down here it says they're vulnerable to global commodity prices, high taxation and red tape, what they call the Brazil cost, large fiscal deficits, and increasing public debt. So remember that we're going to talk about that. Political and social tensions on the back of corruption. So corruption uh, is a very bad thing for a couple reasons. One, that it uh, ruins the efficiency of companies. So they say that uh, somewhere around 30% of a company's success in China is due to their involvement with the CCP. So corruption will not only make your firm very inefficient, but it it can also bankrupt you very quickly. As soon as the government decides that uh, they don't want to deal with you or you piss off the wrong person, then you're in a whole lot of trouble. So you need to remember that when you invest in places like Brazil. And one of the ways to do that is through the iShares MSCI Brazil ETF. So this provides you with a way to get exposure to Brazil, large and mid-sized companies. So there's also a Brazilian small cap ETF that you can take a look at. But the investment objective here is to track an index composed of Brazilian equities. Which index? That's what you should always ask when looking at an ETF. Well, we can see here that, first of all, the net assets of this fund at $5 billion are relatively small. So institutional investors aren't placing a whole lot of pure play bets on the country of Brazil, at least in respect to ETS. Now, when we look at the benchmark index here, this is interesting. It's MSCI Brazil 2550. What does that mean? Well, the 2550 indices that MSCI builds take into account investment limits for regulated investment companies, what they call RICs, under the current U.S. Internal Revenue Code. So one requirement is that at the end of each quarter of a tax year, no more than 25% of the value of the RICS assets may be invested in a single issuer. So this comes into play when you're dealing with a market where it's fairly concentrated with not so many companies. So that's where this, uh, not so much the 25% aspect, but this other rule that says, the sum of the weights of all issuers representing more than 5% of the fund should not exceed 50% of the fund's total assets. So instead of using a market cap weighting, they actually have to adjust that manually uh, when they'll do that four times a year. So when we look at this ETF's breakdown by sector, See how financials at 25% make up the largest portion of this ETF. And on the right there, we've listed out the Brazilian banks that make up that 25%. Now, this is rather surprising when you consider that Brazil has a uh, fairly large unbanked population, at least in uh, respect, intuitively it does, but not in respect to... The other countries in the region, well, uh, Chile, I suppose, is doing better. But um, I look at Argentina, Peru, and Colombia. So the this chart here was put together by, I believe, Mercado Libre, and their point is that when you have an unbanked population. Those are people that won't be able to take advantage of e-commerce. So as the individuals are able to access credit cards, they're able to buy things using e-commerce solutions, and that um, provides a boost for e-commerce firms. So the key takeaways, this is from Investopedia, Latin America has one of the world's fastest growing banking sectors. The region's banking industry had a slowdown because of COVID, but it's uh, uh, returned in full force, the top 10 Latin America banks are in Brazil, with half of the top 10 uh, being from Brazil. The largest bank there is Brazil's Itau Unibanco Holding. So I'm going to pause for a second. Please like this video. We don't run ads. We need your support. So when you click like, it just takes you a second. That helps boost this video because YouTube sure won't because we're not running their ads. And then please subscribe to this channel if you're not already subscribed. Just click the subscribe button and that helps support our work. So when we look at the iShares MSCI Brazil small cap ETF, uh, I've pulled out the list of constituents there related to financials, and how interesting is it that when we do a sector breakdown at the small cap level, financials are way down the list. They're at five percent instead of the twenty-five percent in the large cap. But um, you know, the question may be raised here: Where's New Bank or Stone Co. or the uh, the companies that uh, the broader investment universe is more familiar with? And here's an article on how Latam's biggest fintech, Newbank, leaves the Brazilian stock market. There was just uh, there was more effort than it was worth, so they don't actually trade in Brazil. That's why you won't find that name or Stoneco, uh, two very popular fintech names in Brazil. You won't find them in either of those ETFs. So let's touch on Nubank. and uh, of course they have some very strong numbers. I've highlighted two here that um, these are. Uh, These are, for us, uh, red flags. So we don't like having exposure to consumer credit, especially when Aliens warns about increasing consumer credit. Offering people credit is an easy thing to do. Offering them credit and making sure that you're doing so responsibly is more difficult, and it's very tempting in places like this where you have lots of unbanked people to just start handing out credit cards and personal loans, and you can see how those... Two components there make up 40% of revenues for New Bank, and then of course you see on the upper right there the new crypto active customers. That um, it's a shame that uh, that unbanked people would be pushed towards uh, the dangers of crypto. But uh, be that as it may, when we look at where New Bank makes their money, you see here inco- income from credit cards and personal loans at. So this was in 2021. We broke these out. Interest earned on assets at 18% and interchange fees. Well, when we bring that up to date, uh, here you can see that interest income from credit cards uh, has changed slightly along with personal loans, but interest earned on assets has gone um, quite high and interchange fees, of course, as a percent has fallen. So we need to consider that interest that they're earning on assets is going to be particularly high because interest rates in Brazil are high. This is a great chart by Reuters, which shows how the inflation rates uh, were being battled by raising interest rates. And now that inflation is at its target, it's likely that interest rates will fall. And that means that the income that New Bank will receive from that segment uh, will fall as well. So it's something to keep in mind. Now, I like this comment here uh, from this gentleman. It says, as we learned from the 2008 financial crisis, risks that are unseen have a tendency to grow and later to be the source of nasty surprises. That's Rumsfeld's unknown unknowns. That's the sort of thing that we worry about when we look at firms like Nubank. So as a clear leader, Nubank may be the best bet for Brazilian fintech, but we believe it's best suited for Brazilians with lots of time on their hands. This is a very difficult company to analyze your need to embrace the acronyms, charts, buzzwords, and nomenclature It's a complex enterprise with heavy country concentration risk. And as an example of how complex it is, it took me 20 minutes rifling through their latest 20F filing to come across this table, which shows even though on their homepage and everywhere you look, they want to talk about how diversified they are in LATAM, the reality is they're not. So even though Mexico revenues are growing at a very nice clip, they still represent just six percent of new banks' revenues. Brazil is at ninety-three percent. So that country concentration risk is going nowhere. And you can certainly argue for the skate to where the puck will be, but the complexity of this enterprise means that it's not anything that we would be interested in. Maybe if they were able to diversify away from Brazil, and then it would be worth another look. Uh, another company that we've covered before, StoneCo, has the same problems. And when we last wrote about StoneCo, we said here, we call this a showstopper. We find the BRIC countries present far more risk than we're willing to take. And this is important. Technology is risky enough in developed markets. But when you throw in corrupt governments, cultural differences, entrenched religious beliefs, volatile currencies and exceptionally crafty criminals, success becomes more luck than skill. StoneCo right now has hinged the entire success of their business on a single country market. That's not a risk that we're willing to take. So uh, some individuals have been asking for us to do an update on StoneCo. The way that we approach investing is we look for showstoppers. That's the showstopper. So we're not going to waste any more time looking at a company that we wouldn't invest in to begin with. And of course, these individuals will point to Warren Buffett aping the oracle, right? So Buffett's an active investor. Uh, the majority of his portfolio consists of Apple shares. So we know he has strong convictions over apple but contrast that to his brazilian fintech holdings. so yes he's holding shares in newbank and stoneco but the amount of exposure he has is minuscule and let's put that in context of a ten thousand dollar portfolio so if you had a ten thousand dollar portfolio and you had buffett's exposure to newbank that would represent about thirteen dollars and thirty five cents for stoneco about two dollars and seventy four cents so his actual exposure is quite low. Now, a company that operates out of LATAM that we find attractive enough to have invested in actually has a decent breakdown by geography, which I've shown you here, and you can guess in the comment section what firm this might be. But you can see this more closely resembles this sort of uh, geographic diversification that we want to see from a LATAM fintech. So to conclude... Brazil's a tiny fraction of the global equity opportunity, and it comes with its own risks. Uh, The Brazilian growth play appears to be financial services, but it's highly competitive. So there's around 700 fintechs, not to mention a lot of large banks which won't just sit on their hands. So that goes back to what these banks are able to do when it comes to... um, playing fairly or playing dirty uh, in, in combating the growth of fintechs. Though, of course, there's the argument they could acquire them or whatnot or do nothing, and these fintechs could just eat up all that opportunity. But if we're bullish on Brazil as a country, we'll invest in an ETF. And if you're keen on uh, StoneCo or NewBank, invest away. Those are decent enough ways to play the Brazilian fintech opportunity, but we've made a bet elsewhere. Now, I'm gonna put up another video here that you might like before you watch that. Please click the NANALYZE logo on the right support our channel, support our work. We don't run ads. Thank you for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the NANALYZE podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.